SCP-7840. U is for the unstrung. In the classic Italian story of Pinocchio, an unruly animated puppet comes to life and begins to cause havoc until his creator gets him under control and sends him off to school. On the way, however, Pinocchio gets led into a series of misadventures, eventually meeting a fairy with turquoise hair, who says that she will act as his mother, and if he does well in school and behaves for a year, he'll become a real boy. This idea appeals to Pinocchio greatly, and outside of a couple more misadventures, he proves himself worthy of becoming a real boy, and the story ends happily ever after. Of course, this is a pretty well-known story, especially thanks to various adaptations, notably by Disney, so it's likely that you're familiar with it. SCP-7840 takes this story and throws it into the SCP universe, where things very, very rarely end up happily ever after. Let's take a look. SCP-7840 is an animate wooden marionette answering to the name Gazem which exhibits all the clear signs of sapience, even recreating human mannerisms and facial expression, despite being made of wood. Additionally, it exhibits all the neurological sensibilities of a human being, with the exception of pain sensations, including reflex, tactile sensation, olfactory senses, and involuntary movements. Since containment, it has shown signs of aging roughly paralleling a human being's aging cycle, including loss of its hair, additions of wrinkles, and defining of features such as the nose and ears. It can communicate and grasp abstract conceptual frameworks, but it frequently fails to respond cogently to queries. It does not need to eat or sleep, but it does pantomime various human actions, including bowel movements, on a consistent basis, frequently stating, I'm going to be a real boy. It's noted that the anomaly once had the voice of a small child, but age has caused its voice to have grown deeper and gruffer in tone. The marionette was discovered in 1987, when Foundation personnel were informed by an embedded agent within the Edinburgh Police Division of a marionette show exhibiting anomalous characteristics. During that year's Fringe Festival, the world's largest performance arts festival, Magnus Freely was performing bi-weekly shows in which he reenacted famous events from history with marionettes. Members of the audience complained about the realistic cries of the marionettes in Freely's shows, which were recorded by the authorities but never investigated. An investigating agent observed several of Freely's performances, but did not initially note anything abnormal. The agent then investigated Freely's backstage area after a performance, discovering 7840 and the performer discussing the day's performances. Freely told investigators that he inherited the anomaly from his grandfather, but had only recently discovered that it was animate. Because no connection could be found between him and the anomaly's origin, Freely was given amnestics and the anomaly was taken into containment. An interview was then conducted when the marionette was in containment, with it introducing itself as Gizem, or Gizzy, and that it likes to sing and dance. It asks where Magnus is, and the agent tells it that he's had to go away for a while, but they'll be taking care of it. 
It replies that it needs to be watched after, as it wouldn't want to hurt itself before it became a real boy. The agent asks for more info about that, and Gazem says that its father told it that if it behaved, then it would become a real boy, and the Azure Pixie said so too. The Azure Pixie is apparently like its mom, as she knew its father was sad and lonely and wanted a son, so she stole into his workshop one night and gave it life. Its father's name was Herbert, and he loved Gazem very much, but the Azure Pixie took him away to live with her, waiting until it could be a real boy. He was old, and she wanted him to live long enough to see Gazem's purpose completed. This was ages and ages ago, and Gazem says that the agent would have shriveled up into leathery scraps and bone dust had she been around then. After 15 seconds of silence, Gazem says that it bathed in the glory of the Azure Pixie's light and was found wanting, so it had to stay around until it could prove that it was worthy of becoming a real boy. It then pretends to cough, and asks the agent for some water. It hasn't had a drink since 1943, so how else is it going to be strong like a real boy, as hydration is important for growing organisms? As the agent gets up to exit, Gazem whispers a cognito hazard, and praises the Azure Pixie, saying, May my worth be found in the gleaming light of her many eyes. It proceeded to pretend to drink the water that was brought to it, the liquid pouring out of its mouth. It then made gagging sounds and asked to continue the interview another day. Despite the clarity of this first interview, Gazem has exhibited only rare moments of coherence in the intervening years of containment. In December of 1991, Gazem stated that it laid in that trunk for what seemed like centuries, and would count the dust motes, crumpled up with abandoned toys and wondered when it could be a real boy. Finally, it realized it was lacking patience and the fortitude to do what was necessary. At some point much later, it mentioned a location, Breslau, which was determined to be Breslau Hall in Cologne, Germany. Originally built in 1485, the hall was a meeting place for the local woodworkers guild, and was actively used for that purpose until the mid-17th century. The hall was built outside the old city limits, and next to the remains of the Eiffel aqueduct built in the Roman era. Initial exploration of the structure didn't reveal any workshops under the building, but an investigation of the aqueducts revealed a door hidden behind a brick wall that led to an abandoned space filled with woodworking tools and half-finished projects. We're provided the exploration log of the investigation, with one agent investigating and one researcher on communications. The agent finds the hidden door to be covered in sigils carved into its surface, similar to the carvings on Gazem's arms. The doctor explains that they don't match any known language or images in the archives, and assures the agent that there's no thaumaturgical residue or cognitohazardous effects. The agent struggles to open the door due to the weight, but manages to push it open, activating her headlamp and illuminating a stone passageway made of tightly fit blocks. She notes that the air is extremely stale here, and continues down the corridor until approaching another door. This one is designed to be secured with a bar across it, as if it was meant to lock something in, although there's currently no bar sitting within. She opens the door, 
finding the workshop cluttered with tools, and lining the back wall is a series of shelves with partially finished marionettes and dolls. The doctor mentions that the team that discovered the workshop noted a strange smell, which the agent confirms as being copper and with a slight tinge of rot. Probably something rotted down here and it seeped into the wood. She approaches the tools on the nearest work table, touching the handle of a chisel. The agent remarks that the chisel has blood on it, although the doctor doesn't see any looking through the feed. The agent says that it's still wet, and the smell is worse, like a butcher shop or killing yard on a farm. She says that something died in here, probably more than one thing. The doctor says that they still don't see the blood, as the agent picks up another tool before gasping and dropping it. She says that there's more gore on it, as well as brain matter, and begins coughing. She turns and approaches the shelves, finding 23 marionettes and dolls on them, each abandoned at some point in the work, to varying degrees. Some are painted, while others are unfinished wood, and she remarks that they give her the creeps. After she says this, all of the dolls' faces turn towards her in one smooth motion, causing her to swear and back away. She stays stationary for several minutes, as her breathing rate increases. As she tries to control it, the camera sweeps across the shelves. None of the dolls move again, but each of their eyes are looking at the agent. An unknown voice then speaks in German, although only the doctor hears it, not the agent. Translated, it says, It was here my dreams became reality, and my terrible child born. In blue light and deep shadow, she came to me. I would be her instrument in the waking world, and she would bear my child. The doctor asks the agent if she's alone in the room, to which the agent is pretty sure, before approaching a section of bare stone wall. She mentions that there's another passage here, filled with debris and cobwebs, but it looks like it goes back pretty far. The doctor, however, says that it's just a wall, and advises that the agent hold back. The agent, however, continues to move towards the wall, despite the doctor ordering her to stay put due to the influence of an anomaly. The German voice speaks again, saying, I made my workshop from the stones of that long abandoned quarry. The men who cut from those stones were long dead, but their devotion still lingered. It was the stone that made her notice me. Ancient as she, the black granite had been used to build temples to her majesty in the time before. Before humanity came to rule this world, before we forgot giants walked the earth. The agent places a hand on the stone, and then through it, and as the camera passes into the material of the wall, the feed cuts out. The agent did not return to the workshop and is listed as missing in action. The wall she merged with was scanned and showed several hundred meters of stone and sediment behind it, with no indication of thaumaturgy or other anomaly. The tools that she indicated were covered in blood were tested and found to have very old organic material on their surfaces. Several weeks after the agent's disappearance, her body camera was retrieved from a loose stone block in the aqueduct, 
and were given a transcript of the footage on it, parts of which have been omitted for cognitohazardous elements. She lies on a slate tile floor, with her body camera loose from her utility harness so that she's in the frame. Behind her is a rough stone wall, curving upwards, with rough chisel marks clear on the stone, and notably the stone does not match the bedrock surrounding the workshop. She groans and lifts herself into a seated position, as the camera somehow rises to keep her framed within the shot, although she doesn't notice it. She stands, using the wall to support herself, seeing a rough-hewn corridor semicircular in shape stretching off into the distance. A thin blue-tinted mist clings to the floor, and ambient illumination is present, but the source is unclear. The agent turns to look behind her, as the camera turns as well to show a dead end. She sighs and starts walking in the other direction, with the camera following her. We're interrupted by another excerpt from Gazem, who said at one point that it's always wondered how it would know it was ready. The Azure Pixie said to make its father's dream come true and become a real boy, and it was up to it to act like real boys do. It wanted its father to be proud of it, but what did that mean, and what do real boys act like? As it whittles its arm with a plastic writing pen sharpened to a point, carving unrecognizable symbols into the surface, it says that finally it just focused on doing what boys do. Later in the footage, the agent is sitting in a descending passage with a circular stone stair extruding from the wall. Her legs are over the edge and her head is in her hands, staring downwards. The camera rises over her shoulder and looks down, the depth of the passage estimated at 300 meters, with the only illumination coming from the blue mist. The agent speaks aloud, asking what this place is, and says that she's been walking for hours. Now there's a staircase with no railing, so this is how she dies. An unknown voice in German then speaks again, saying, to look within oneself is the greatest of failures. There are no secrets within us. The mysteries of the cosmos are in the cold darkness of the place outside, guarded by those that came before, like she, the mother of my child, my goddess, Gatharm Urvoi Ikai. Through her I discovered wonder. The agent doesn't seem to notice the man's voice and begins descending the stairs. The blue mist rises, obscuring the camera, and the agent is heard faintly on the recording saying the word, Revoy. More excerpts from Gizem show that at one point it mentioned how it likes to whistle, and that it first learned to whistle last week with Magnus, despite this being decades after it was put into containment. It then makes a few noises approximating a whistle, but its facial structure prevents it from properly doing so. It says that it likes to whistle a lot, as it's what the real boys do, until it starts to work on them. A decade later it asks how long they're going to keep it here, as it's been 62 years already and it's bored. It then asks if it could get some anatomy textbooks. Back with the agent, the camera is looking up through a skylight in the cavern roof, estimated to be several dozen meters in length. 
The roof of the cavern is approximately 10 meters above the camera, and through the skylight many stars are visible as if without any light pollution. The glass is entirely transparent, with little framing around the window, and the agent begins speaking as the camera looks at the stars. She mutters something about splitting the breastbone with a saw, pulling the ribs apart and extracting the heart. As she speaks, a sharp crack is heard, followed by a wet sound as a shooting star becomes visible through the skylight. The camera then rotates, showing the agent crouched down, bent over a prone, child-sized humanoid form. She's breathing hard from exertion, and asks what is going on as the camera focuses and shows her hands in the chest cavity of the child. The child is a wicker facsimile of Gazem, and the agent pulls a beating blue heart from the cavity with organic tissue trailing behind. The German voice speaks again, saying, Her gift was only the semblance of life. Without the embodiment of humanity around him, Gazem would not reach his ascendance. The agent replies that she doesn't understand, and throws the heart against the wall, where it bursts into blue viscous liquid and bright glowing pricks of light. She covers her eyes with her hands, leaving blue marks on her face from the fluid. The voice speaks again, saying, To become human is to destroy. It is no different with her gift of life than any other mother. The agent stands and stares up at the night sky as another shooting star is visible and she begins to wish upon it, but is abruptly cut off. Back with Gazem, during a containment breach shortly before the agent's investigation of the workshop, it managed to escape its cell and is bending over a prone security guard who is bleeding from his eyes and ears. It asks him if he's alright and to wake up, but when he doesn't, it pulls a knife from his belt and says, Waste not, want not, before starting to whistle the tune to, She'll be coming round the mountain. Shortly after, it says that, When its father made it, he put in his best work. The workshop under Breslau was his sanctum, and it wishes that they could have seen what he could do with those tools. There were many before Gizem, but none after. Those halcyon days in its father's workshop in the Undercroft were like a dream, and it's hard to say when it was. It must have been a really long time ago now, at least a year. The Azure Pixie would speak to them both, appearing in their dreams, although it's noted that Gazem doesn't sleep, so it's unclear what it meant by this. She would tell them of her plans and the glorious world she would create. But Gazem failed her and father both, as it has yet to become a real boy and open the way. It says that humankind is not the oldest intelligence in the universe, not by a long shot. The Azure Pixie told them of her people, those from before history. They walked the earth before they could even imagine a cosmos, but the cosmos moved on, leaving them behind and disconnected from life. Its father had traveled far in his mercenary years, learning much of the wider world, away from the constrictions of his Catholic upbringing. 
and when he came home to Germany, he endeavored to bring that wisdom to his family and community, but they would not have it. Lest he abandon those that came before, he practiced in secret, working on his projects with chisel and scalpel, ritual and devotion. Then she came to him, and granted him her favor, and Gazem could not meet her expectations. It looks down at the symbols carved into its arms, and then examines its hands. It asks what did she need it to do, and asks the armed containment agent at the door if they know, before apologizing. It then stands, behind it is the eviscerated corpse of the security guard. The individual's intestines have been set on the floor in a pattern reminiscent of a spider's web, and a pile of organs is sitting neatly on Gazem's bed. It is holding the pair of eyes in its left hand, and a bloody knife in its right, with Gazem covered in blood and viscera. It then leans against the far wall, shrugging at the approaching security personnel, and says that it was done anyway. Back with the agent, she's seen walking around a large circular chamber, again filled with a blue mist along the floor. Throughout the mist are small bright lights, like fireflies, but a similar shade as the mist. She is mumbling to herself, before suddenly the audio's volume is raised, and we hear her say that she's here, just outside the door, waiting for him, grasping for any hold on us. The agent then looks up, as a blue substance floats past the camera, resembling silk strands. She says that she's read the file, and she's going to be waiting a long time. A loud, high-pitched shriek is then heard, as the agent covers her ears. The agent says to scream all she wants, as it won't change a thing. Her little creation is a moron and she can't just tell him what he needs, as he'll never figure it out. The cavern starts shaking, and loud booming sounds are heard. The agent covers her ears and screams, crouching down. The camera then pans up toward the ceiling of the cavern, at least 20 meters above the agent. Suspended on a large web of blue strands is an arachnoid entity taking up the majority of the ceiling of the cavern. Streams of glowing blue silk flow down from its abdomen, draping towards the cavern floor. The feed is degraded and blurs when trying to focus on the entity's three heads. The only detail discernible are multiple glowing points on the heads aiming towards the floor. A high-pitched humming begins increasing in volume, and the video feed focuses to show the glowing points resolving into metal loops resembling the heads of sewing needles. They glow blue and increase in brightness, their luminance making the rest of the heads indiscernible. The agent asks what good will that do, as she's never getting out of here. The voice asks in German if she's sure, before the agent begins to scream and clutch her head. After a few moments, she stops, and the voice says, That's good. All better now. The agent was discovered in the passage of the aqueduct, sitting in front of the loose stone where her camera was found days before. She was immediately remanded to an isolation observation cell at Site-91. A week later, she escaped confinement, 
assaulting two security personnel and leaving them catatonic with severe head injuries. A site-wide search was initiated, and shortly thereafter a breach alarm was triggered at Gazem's containment chamber. When security personnel arrived, they discovered the agent being assaulted by the anomaly, suffering contusions to her face and neck, as well as a moderate concussion. The footage of the event shows the agent breaking into the chamber, dragging in an unconscious security guard and holding his weapon. She drops the guard in the corner, closes the door, and turns to face Gazem. Her eyes briefly glow blue for less than a second as she turns. The agent begins speaking, although we can't hear what is said, and Gazem approaches as it says something in return. The agent then shakes her head violently, clawing at her face, and points at the torso of the security guard. Gazem clenches its fists, and the agent points at it, and then at the unconscious guard again. Gazem shakes its head and begins speaking animatedly, and when the agent starts to speak again, Gazem interrupts her by leaping at her face, clutching her throat with one hand and striking her face repeatedly with the other. The agent collapses, and the puppet continues to strike her. Security personnel then enter the room and pull Gazem off of her, at which point we hear Gazem yelling at them to get off of it, as it needs her to tell it what to do. Medical personnel load the agent onto a gurney and remove her, as security personnel zip-tie Gazem to the bed. It struggles against its bindings, and yells what was it supposed to do. The agent was taken to the medical center and restrained, and as of this writing, she has not regained consciousness. So obviously, this is a pretty dark riff on the classical tale of Pinocchio. In the original story, the fairy with turquoise hair promises that she'll turn Pinocchio into a real boy if he earns it through hard study and obedience, which she does in the end. Here, while Gazem refers to the entity as a pixie, we see that it's some sort of arachnid entity that seemingly can possess individuals. She's responsible for giving Gazem life, and makes a promise of turning him into a real boy provided he does as he's told, but here he really doesn't know what to do. There's a dark current running through Gazem, leading to him murdering people in gruesome ways, but we're left with only questions about what exactly the Azure Pixie wants. While the original story teaches that a real boy provides for their family and devotes themselves to good deeds and working hard, this article teaches us that apparently a real boy dissects people and neatly stacks their organs. Obviously, what Gazem is really lacking is a kind-hearted cricket to be his conscience. <laughs>